Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I've got a lovely show planned for you today with a special guest treat coming up in the first half hour. In addition to Patrick Albanese after the break, I'm going to bring on a very uh, special guest. So do not touch that dial. And then David Miles is coming in for the Monday afternoon mix with Rosie B. And we're going to uh, have Dr. Clarence Schuler join the program as well during the Monday afternoon mix. That's all in hour one. Just to get things started, I want to bring on Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Patrick, welcome. Hey, thanks. There we go. I had to switch over onto a a, a different phone. I'm a little bit uh, excited about the special guest. That's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, well, gosh, I was going to do some uh, yard work. You know, I've kind of been... I've kind of let the – I've given up on having a, a nice lawn this year because I want to be consistent. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had mentioned my lawn was suffering a little bit, and I got some nice encouragement from some listeners. One of my favorite listeners, Judith, said, you know, be encouraged because she went and, and put some grass seed down, and she planted some new grass, and she said to me, would you ever believe that a person could get excited about watching grass grow? <laughs> and I want to answer yes I do because I watched it grow and it so the new grass sort of grows in taller and greener than the old grass it's kind of cool I know and it's it's a, it's a slightly different shade it's a little bit limey and then it starts <laughs> to turn that nice Kentucky blue green and then you say and now I have to you know I have to get the rest of it with Roundup to make it all mesh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm doing this I have neighbors on either side of me that gave up on their, they never did anything, and they've got every known weed, every weed, and a couple of alien species, and they just, you know, I'm, I'm out every two or three days having to spray. I go, what is that in my yard? It's purple. I don't even yeah. know what it is. So, uh, but if I don't do it, my, my whole yard will get overtaken, um, you know, plus with all the construction going on on my street. Um, they've left these uh, parkway areas. I call them the parkway, you know, between the street and the sidewalk, where they're going to put in these bioretention cells, and so they've just let weeds go crazy. So our, our, mm. the whole neighborhood is turning to weeds. The whole neighborhood. Wow. It always reminds me of, you know, this the thing in life is, you know, the good stuff you have to cultivate, you have to plant, you have to watch it, and the weeds, they just show up. The bad I stuff know. just kind of shows up, you know? I know. So I've got, I've got, Patrick, this nice patch of green grass on my lawn. And in a way, it kind of looks like a bad comb over, you know? <laughs> <laughs> because no, nobody looks at it and goes, oh, that's all one piece. No, they go, that's the new grass. It's pretty easy to tell. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty easy to tell. There was, when we first uh, moved into the house, uh, you know, I... We don't have a, a sprinkler system, a watering system, and uh, you know, I I was meticulous about having this gorgeous lawn, and I did have a gorgeous lawn. It was deep blue green, and you know, I'd be out there a couple days a week, and 
because I don't have a sprinkler system, I'd have to do it with the sprinkler, and you know, I'd have to move the sprinkler. So, uh, you know, people called me for jobs. I was like, you know, I really can't work. I got to water the lawn today. <laughs> it's going to take all day for me to move that sprinkler. Uh, so, uh, anyway, that that. Yeah, that's how. That's that's. I I, I kind of gave up when the kids were born. I was like, you know, I think there are more important things to do. Yeah. More important things to do. Yeah, Patrick, you do a little social media, don't you? I guess you could call it that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I try to. I put the me in social media. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I did find this interesting as a Minnesota Viking guy who grew up watching the uh, the Purple People Eaters. Alan Page, of course, one of the purple people eaters who went on to be a Hall of Fame football player and obviously uh, Minnesota uh, Supreme Court justice. He could not get a uh, notability account on Twitter. The a blue met, check mark. A blue, a blue check, check mark. mark. Yeah. yeah. It, it said this account will not be verified at this time because the evidence provided did not meet our criteria for notability. As a result, we could not reliably verify that the account associated with the request is a notable person. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. He's only been in the Hall of Fame for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually, I looked it up, and I think I know what happened. What? Uh, well, he didn't just play for the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> he also played a little bit for the Chicago Bears, and that might be what yeah. that might have, Yeah. That might have been the problem. That might have been the problem. Yeah. So what all do you have to do? Because you see people that get the blue check mark, which means they're they're verified, which I guess means we're supposed to listen to what they have to say more than anybody else. And uh, does this mean that you look at an Allen page and say, well, you know what? I just don't see you as credible because you don't have the the coveted blue check mark. Mm, So silly. It's starting to feel like we're back in high school. You know, it's, uh, I like you. Do you like me? Check this box. <laughs> well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't mock that because that did work for us. Right. Uh, probably should have never done it as a form letter. I don't know if that was a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> so you sent me, I think it was Friday night, you sent me this picture of this spectacular evening at a, at a baseball park where you and your family were spending the evening. Did you watch one play of the game? Yeah, no. Okay. Uh, now that I think about it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, so my wife's uh, employer was uh, holding an event there, and then um, it was, you know, all you can eat hamburgers and hot dogs. So that caught my my attention. But uh, we were mingling with each other, and, uh, you know, unbeknownst to us, there was a baseball game going on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we kind of looked out at one point, and our team was pretty far behind, and so I guess we should go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I used to go to the Los Angeles Dodgers baseball games, and, of course, nobody shows up to the games there until about the third or the fourth inning, and then they leave in the seventh inning, uh, which was always great because you could get fantastic seats. You'd have to move from, like, the fourth inning to the seventh inning because somebody would come down and say, these are my seats behind home plate. <laughs> would, you, would you always look at your ticket like you were confused, or would you just realize that you were in there in a seat and you get up and leave? Yeah, you, you did usually say, so these aren't the bleachers. Cause it's, <laughs> <laughs> they feel like bleacher seats to me. Yeah, you're right uh, behind home home plate. I love that, yeah. 
Yeah. But the thing is, people were always very nice. They said, we're leaving in the seventh. So come on back. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was fun to go to games there because uh, it was, uh, you know, you could always get a great seat. I actually had a friend that um, somehow or another managed to get a, a, a season pass, a seat, he paid for it at the, the stadium club where you sat in air-conditioned comfort in a restaurant overlooking the stadium watching the baseball game. And I, I know you've done things like that before, which, of course, is completely opposite of what the experience is supposed to be. And yet... <laughs> <laughs> and yet, once you have that experience, you want it every time. You want it every time. You yeah. see, this is kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty nice. Yeah. So, uh, no, we didn't, we didn't uh, catch a play. But you know what? It's... Uh, we we got there so early to meet with people that, and I just love being in the ballpark. I just absolutely love being in a ballpark, and we only have minor league baseball here, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Love the ballpark. Yeah, it's a fun experience. So it really, is. yeah. So we had uh, kind of a sad loss over the weekend. Uh, actor Ed Asner died. He was ninety-one years old. Great career, and yeah. that has something to do with our surprise coming up uh, after the break. Uh Yes, I'm excited. Yeah, am I supposed to be surprised? Or no, no, do I? Act, no, because I told you. Yeah, you did tell me, but I, now that I think about it, oh, we're live. I can't pull off a surprise <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was kind of exciting because you know it's funny. You, you, everybody does their tributes, and yep. I think did, did all these people know Ed Asner? I think they did. I mean, he'd been around in Hollywood for a long time. And you look at the two spinoffs that came out of the Mary Tyler Moore show. It was Lou Grant and Rhoda, right? Yeah, yeah. Two great spinoffs. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I don't even know if Lou Grant and Rhoda ever really crossed paths unless Rhoda, you know, you know, dropped a chicken sandwich off at the station one day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, isn't that a, a testament to how great the original show was? Oh, I that, know. You know, two, you know. People love this show so much. Two spinoffs. We have that many lovable characters. Yeah. You it's, know, you could say the love ball was sort of a spinoff, right? <laughs> Gavin, Gavin McLeod? Yeah, it probably was. There was so much yeah. so much good television back then. At least I thought there was. Well-written scripts, good acting. Uh, I think things yeah. have changed quite a bit lately. You know, it's, it's interesting, too, that they... Uh, I, I, I think that modern television still goes back in time and says... We're all out of ideas. We're saying, you know, you know, pull up an old "I Love Lucy." Right. You're bound. To, you're going to get inspired, if if not downright plagiaristic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Patrick. Let me take a little break. We'll come back. We'll bring on our very special guest. Uh, we'll. Uh, we'll be here. Yeah, you'll be here, and we'll be right back. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome back to the show. My friend Patrick Albanese is still with me, but I've invited a very special guest onto the show today. Her name is Linda Kelsey. She's an actor. 
You might have seen her uh, play Billy Newman as the crusading reporter for the fictional Los Angeles Tribune on the Lou Grant Show. Five-time Emmy-nominated actress and uh, star of stage and screen and everything else. Linda, welcome. Hi, Bill. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, I've wanted you on my show for so many times, and now I finally (laughs) get you on the show. And uh, we would love to hear about your time on Lou Grant. Plus, by oh, the way, I, well. oh, Go I was ahead. just going to add that the Los Angeles Tribune is still my favorite paper. <laughs> <laughs> I still have a press credential from it. I love my <laughs> press badge. <laughs> I haven't used it, though. I just have to confess I haven't. T- I ha- I've been tempted, you know, to cross a line and say, excuse me, I'm with the press. Um, <laughs> I had all that stuff. It was really cool. I had that thing that you put in the on your dashboard that says press, you know, so you can park nice. behind the oh. lines. And, oh, yeah, I had all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, well, you know, you asked me today, and it's a very poignant day, of course, for me and for the two remaining cast members uh, of the show. We are, there are only three of us now, which makes us really sad and appreciate each other very much, I have to say. We've been in contact, um, Robert Walden and Daryl Anderson and I, uh, Rob, Bobby, we called him, um, played Joe Rossi, and Daryl played Animal, the photographer on the show. And we've we've all been reminiscing about how lucky we were to be on such a wonderful show. I mean, we... You know, you have to remember that it was before the Internet. We even started the show. I'm going to sound like I'm 150 now, but <laughs> there there were no computers in, in newsrooms. We typed our stories for the first maybe two seasons, season and a half. I think maybe the second season we did a show where we had to change to using computers and we lost the news and, you know, all the stuff that really happened in that transition for newspapers. And mm. and so t- TV um, and our show sometimes provided a public service. Uh, we, we highlighted issues that sometimes people didn't know about PTSD with Vietnam vets um, and many wow. things. Many things like that, 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 you know, we would get letters um, from people saying how appreciative they were that we did the show. So there was that, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you want to know? Well, one of, the <laughs> things, one of the things Patrick and I have worked as actors, so we're obviously in awe of you because you're like a legitimate actor. Oh, <laughs> no, you uh, are too. <laughs> and, and the difference, Bill, is that she uses talent, whereas you and I... That's right. She has talent. <laughs> yeah. You know, one yeah. of the things that that we love uh, is the rehearsal, the takes, the practicing, the mm. the, the the inside jokes, the the ways in which you went about getting the show up and finished every every episode. Mm-hmm. That that's mm-hmm. always of interest to me. What working with Ed Asner? What did you find to be of particular interest in in those day to day interactions? Yeah, it was an extremely professional set. Um, from the top down, I'm talking about the producers down to the person who made the coffee. Um, it, I don't know if you recall who the producers were, but, but James the, L. Brooks, but wasn't the executive, it? right. Yeah. Jay, uh, yeah. And he and, um, 
and Alan Burns and Gene Reynolds, who was who created MASH. Mm-hmm. And they were also writers, so and really good writers. So mm-hmm. we were not allowed to change dialogue um, or improvise at all unless wow. we called upstairs and said, could we, I think this would work better if we said. Um, and then they would, we'd have to run it by them. And so it, the writing was really great. And oh, I don't know, it just, it just was very professional. Everybody had come from the stage. We all knew how to work, you know, and, and we came prepared. And so rehearsals were really a joy because TV, TV goes fast. You have maybe a half hour of rehearsal before they start to light a scene. You have to come in with it learned, of course, and then, you know, you go off to get your makeup fixed and then you shoot it. So it was that kind of a show, which I really appreciated, and I don't think I I appreciated it enough, you know, when compared to other yeah. other places, shall we say, which maybe were a little more um, fly by the seat of your pants <laughs> shooting things. But And Ed had a very open set, Um in terms of he wanted people to come on and visit, uh, which actually drove me crazy. (laughs) 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 But because sometimes I would look up in the middle of, you know, doing some scene that was hard for me, you know, or emotional or something where I needed my concentration and there'd be 25 Boy Scouts (laughs) 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 in my eye line. (laughs) And, you know, that was very dear, actually. Um, But... (laughs) <laughs> it was it was one of those things that it was his show, you know, and we we did that. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of fondness for everybody. I love Nancy yeah. Marshon so much, um, who played the the publisher of the paper. Yeah, she was very elegant and funny, and I hardly ever got a scene with her. But I because I was you know a, a working reporter i didn't get to go up to the big executive offices to speak to her but um we were often in the makeup chair together mm-hmm. linda, yeah. linda kelsey is my guest she played billy newman as the crusading reporter on uh lou grant show for yeah. many seasons and and linda what what kind of uh days how long are those 10 hour days 11 hour days how long are those because oh. i've got that two hour radio <laughs> show and i'm exhausted <laughs> minimum 12 12 to 18 Really? <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. Well, 18, 18, they they give you a little time to sleep overnight before you come in again, but now very long hours. It It's um, it's hard to have a real life when you're shooting a, um, an hour-long series like that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's it's hard work. You, I, I used to say sometimes I didn't see daylight. I would come to work in the dark, <laughs> and I would leave in the dark, you know, I, between my trailer and the and the, and the um, Soundstage. I would. Uh, I wow. would see a little I, bit I, of sunshine once in a while. I used to have a similar thing. Mm-hmm. I went to work in the dark and got home in the dark, but I only worked from two a.m. to four a.m. So, <laughs> but I, you know, so I, well, I do yeah, a, then you know what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. A, a, a strange question because, of course, the Lou mm-hmm. Grant is a, in a way it's a spinoff, but it's a spinoff from a sitcom, mm-hmm. and then it's a more serious show, which. Normally, yeah, a sitcom will spin off a sitcom will spin off a sitcom. So when they said, well, we're taking this character, Lou Grant, but it's going to be much more 
serious. Was that an unusual adjustment? Because for Ed Asner, he's going from oh, doing a comedy. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just an unusual twist. You don't see that happen. That's true. And it and it didn't happen with any other character ever, as far as I know. And it was hard for Ed. Um, it was very challenging. In fact, I, I was reminiscing with somebody today about how, how the first few episodes he and the difference is that they had a live audience, you know, and it's three cameras and it was out in front of an audience and then edited later. We shot like a movie with one camera, more like a film. And uh, I was doing a scene with him and he said, we're going to need to hold for the laughs here. <laughs> and, and I just stared at him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But there are no people. <laughs> yeah, and somebody just someone just committed a crime. It's not a, not that funny. <laughs> well, it might have been something funny. There might have been a, a joke. You know, there might have been yeah, something yeah. funny. But you know, it just oh. uh uh-uh, no, we're on the sound stage. There's there's not going to be laughing going on. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I once wrote in a unique... parade with Glenn with with uh, with Ed as. Um, <laughs> he was the grand, what do you call it? The the grandmaster of a parade. What is it? Yeah, the, you know what I, I mean. I wrote on a stagecoach with him in Sacramento, California. I was shooting second unit there, which means that they had to pick up some scenes and use the state capitol as the um, exteriors. And I was the only actor working. They sent me up there, but Ed was the grand marshal of the parade <laughs> or something. And the parade went by when we were there shooting, and Ed, Ed was on a stagecoach for some reason. And he said, get up here. Get up here. <laughs> blocks. So I climbed up this thing. It was, it's very oh. exciting, by the way, to to be um, – I didn't hold the reins, and neither did Ed, as it turned out. There was an actual person there who handled the horses. But it's very yeah. exciting to be yeah. on a stagecoach. Linda, we just, <laughs> Linda, we just have about yeah. a, a minute left. Can you? Oh, can, sure. Can Am you I think, talking too much? No, no, you're talking just the right amount. Can you give us uh, maybe just one fond memory of uh, Ed Asner, who played Lou Grant? Oh, oh, there's so many. Mm-hmm. Um he just was generous. He was just a generous guy. That's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You always like to hear that about uh people from Hollywood. I, I know that, you know, sometimes success brings a lot of money and fame, but it can bring a hard edge that uh, uh often you say, Gosh, you have done so well and uh you've lost um some of mm. that kindness of a human being. So it's always nice to hear that somebody maintained it, especially with a career as long as his. Yeah. 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 I'll miss him. Yeah, we will too. Yeah. Linda, thanks so much for doing the show. Really You're nice to have welcome. you on. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. You <laughs> bet. Linda Kelsey's been our guest. She played Billy Newman on the Lou Grant Show. And that, uh, Patrick, is all the time that we have as well. So thank you so much as uh, for coming on the show today. Well, thanks for having me uh, get to listen into a special interview. That was fun. Yeah, it was very fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We will talk to you next week, and we'll take a break. When we come back, the Monday Afternoon Mix will be happening with PDM, also known as Pastor David Miles, Rosie B., and our special guest, Dr. Clarence Schuler. We're continuing our talk on the Sermon on the Mount. Be right back.
that music means. It's the Monday afternoon mix. Monday, 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 Rosie. Oh, yeah. There you go. Monday, Monday, Monday. We're giving David Miles a chance to catch his breath. Yes. He came in all out of breath. Yeah, there's some uh, some interesting traffic on the roads. Yeah. And uh, definitely praying for our listeners, listening family, as you guys are driving home today. You and praying that. that you're, as Tammy says, having a marvelous Monday. Fantastic. So. It is a marvelous Monday. We've got a special guest. Dr. Clarence Schuler is going to be joining us today as well as we continue our discussion and our study on the Sermon on the Mount. I yeah. always love when Clarence is I on. Know. It's oh, like I know. a party in here. Yeah, Clarence is just the bomb, and I'm 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 super excited for for our our, our audience to be able to hear from um, you know Family Life. They were him and his wife Brenda were the 2020 Speaker of the Year for Family Life Ministries Weekends to remember. But even more than that, just his love for Jesus. And last week after our show, I had some some people reach out, you know touch base with me and I I had a dear person that I love very much reach out and just share their story of growing up um, as a girl and their family and just some of the you know um, exposure that their family had to um, you know the area of pornography which Mm -hmm. is which is an issue very much so in our world today and just even how that affected them as a person and uh, you know um, to the point of just saying you know, I thought that that's what my my worth was to other people was was what these pictures were showing, and you know I love this person dearly. They're so dear to me, and uh, as as I thought about that, I really thought it was important for our listening audience uh, to have someone of Dr. Schuler's caliber to uh, to be able to come and to share with them. And I, I'm more than delighted just to take a, a take a back seat today because I think we really desire for for the best for our audience, for God being glorified in that. So I'm super excited to have Clarence with us today. And Clarence, thank you so much for joining us from Colorado Springs. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for having me. I always do a being with, with all of you, so thank you. Uh, I'm delighted that you could make it, Clarence. Thank you so much. Uh, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and David uh, said to me, you know, when we get to some of these topics, we need to bring in uh, the big guy. So thank you for <laughs> making yourself available. This is a, a very sensitive and difficult uh, part of the passage to go through when we talk about lust and adultery and divorce and remarriage. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you having me, but I'm not really that big. I'm not six feet tall, so I'm not really a big guy. <laughs> but I do, I do want to talk to you about, you know, I, I, I do a lot of marriage counseling. In fact, I was counseling a couple today, and uh, so I'd be glad to really try and share some things that would help in the context of Christians in marriage and divorce and lust. Mm-hmm. Well, Clarence, I, I know one of the things that's helpful, um, and I have a copy at, at home, you know, is your book, especially for us guys, it's, you know, Keeping Your Wife Your Best Friend. And uh, thank you for being patient with us as dudes who sometimes are a little bit slower on the prefrontal cortex formation. Um, so that's a great resource for people to, to, to check into. But, you know, Clarence, where do you find that people really struggle? Because, like, when we're talking about lust, adultery, and divorce, those are kind of down the road, um, you know, life-changing and life-devastating symptoms. But what are some of the things that actually precipitate that? Well, um, let me just say a couple of things first. It's, I think it's really important we say this. 
I don't think guys are necessarily slower than women in the context of relationships, uh, because I think when we do that, it, it can make it an unsafe place for men. I, I, th- I think the problem is we don't know who to talk to or where we can talk. We don't have a safe place we can talk. So I think it's really important. Uh, the other thing I want to say to all those listening is, one, um, as I talk today, it is no way condemning anybody's been divorced. We're not judging or condemning. It's none of our business how many times people have been married. And all we want to do for those who are married is to help the marriage you're in be your last marriage. And if you're thinking about getting remarried, to make that marriage one that will last a lifetime. So I think it's really important to, to do that. Um, well, kind of like, you know, how we get there, I, well, I think kind of like a couple I talked to today, both very gifted, gifted athletes in ministry, very successful, uh, and a lot focused around them. And what they're struggling with right now is just communication. And I think communication is to marriage what location is to real estate. you got to communicate, 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 <laughs> assume nothing and talk about everything. And so I think the ability to talk with your partner or your spouse, your girlfriend, boyfriend, or your wife or husband, talking about those things is really important. Another thing I shared with this couple, I actually gave them a homework assignment. Research, secular and religious and Christian research, always identified the one key thing to have a happy marriage. And that's praying with your spouse. And so it, it is, it's the most important thing that we can ever do. It builds intimacy. It, it builds patience and communication. It just does a lot of things. And it overflows in our communication. It overflows to our sex life. It overflows in everything. And so the most important thing a couple can do is pray together. And I'm not talking about trying to be spiritual or be the, like sign the pastor. I'm not talking about four or five hours. I'm talking about three to five minutes a day can revolutionize a marriage. And so I think those are really important things for us to really build as a foundation as we have this conversation today. Clarence, are you surprised to find out that a lot of married couples are not praying together? No. Uh, you know, one thing that's that's sad is that very few pastors are preaching about marriage. And, and the reality of the research, I don't have it today. I had it back in 2013. I'm sure it's changed since then, so I don't want to quote an outdated resource. But the reality is a lot of pastors are struggling in their marriages. And because most pastors do not want to be hypocritical, they're not talking about marriage. Mm. And then some pastors who their marriage is okay, we've kind of become so consumer-driven, we're afraid to offend anybody. And so pastors don't want to offend anybody who's divorced or going through a divorce. But what they don't realize by not preaching about marriage, you know, our, our elementary school kids are listening, our middle school kids are listening, high school, college uh, singles who are out of college in the workforce, as well as those who think about getting married or those who are married and divorced, and we're not preaching to them. So the only place they hear about marriage is on Showtime, HBO, mm. at work, and they're not getting the best resources. So so we're really handicapping our, our families and our future marriages and generations because we're not preaching and teaching about marriage in the church. Well, you know, thank you. Thank you for saying that, Clarence. We have three in the studio right now, Clarence, and we're all trying to be polite to each other. I know, we're we're all Minnesota nice. So sorry about that, Clarence. We're all Minnesota nice. Would you like to go next? I know, we are. We are doing, (laughs) which is so unlike us, Clarence. You must be bringing the best out in us. I know. We're on our best behavior, Clarence, just so you know. (laughs) Clarence, thank (laughs) thank you so much for saying that, because I have two boys that are 21 and 24, and Mm. we've tried to... um, have a very open family of conversation 
And mm. they, I tell you what, they have learned so much from us just actually having an environment of talking about things and the difficulties mm. and the intentionality that both my husband and I make towards our marriage. But, mm. you know, to be honest, that isn't necessarily always um, part of their uh, education with the church growing up because they would come back and say, Mom, other other kids' families don't talk like we do. <laughs> so good, bad, and ugly, yeah. I suppose, for that. But they would ask their friends about these things, and, you know, it. there isn't really a great model of mm. honesty um, teaching men and women how to to be in a marriage with forgiveness, with um, perseverance, with love, and and love not just being the sensual love, but the love of God, which you know, encompasses all things in a human being. Well, I agree with that. And, you know, when, you know, the best thing you and your husband are doing is what you guys are doing, modeling to your your sons, and they can see it. Because no matter what we say, our kids tend to do more what we do than what we say. And so if what we say is complimented by what we do, then that, that really goes well. And And I know my kids, they came home years ago when they were in middle school. And our house has a basement, a middle, a, re- a first floor, then a second floor. My wife is on the top floor. I was in the basement, and we're yelling. And they say, "You guys, they say you guys aren't getting divorced, are you?" And and I said, "No, no, I'm just yelling so she can hear me." But so many of their peers were getting divorces. Uh, they it just scared them initially. So I think that communication is really important. And we, you know, you can actually we actually when I pastored, we actually grew our church. It became a cross cultural church. But it's based on marriage. And mm. even though we preach it to the Old Testament or New Testament, like in the Old Testament, we share things that fathers shouldn't do. And in the New Testament, we actually share those principles. But, I, I, but you know, marriage doesn't discriminate against anybody. So we had First Nation people, Native Americans, African Americans, Caucasians coming to the church and building their marriages, Christians and non-Christians, because none of us had it all together. Yeah. You know, Clarence, as you were talking about shouting the other day, last night I was, you know, talking with Tammy and, um, you know, I was just checking in, having a conversation, things that you've encouraged me over the years to do uh, with her. And thank you for that. Um, and, And again, another reminder just in that is that it's okay to have other people in your life encouraging you in your marriage. We, we need one another for this journey, you know, we we need as a church family um, to help each other, you know. And and Clarence has prayed for me and given me, you know, great wisdom. And and but I was sitting there talking with Tammy, and I was just, you know, whispering to her. And and Jaden's just like, you know, what are you doing? And I said, Well, I'm just whispering to Mom. And he's like, Are you keeping secrets? <laughs> 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 and I said. I said, no, Jaden, and I remember this this old illustration where a, a wise Chinese sage, a young man, asked him, he said, you know, why do people yell at each other when they're right next to each other? He said, because their hearts are far apart. Mm-hmm. And he said, but, you know, ever notice people that when they care about each other, they speak in softer tones. He goes, when mm-hmm. they're in love, they whisper. And, and, and after a while, when they've been together for long, so long, they don't even have to say anything because their hearts are that connected. And so it was interesting just having to kind of reframe um, this for Jaden that, no, we're not keeping secrets. You know, we're, we're actually having a conversation. And, and I love that years ago, Tammy actually said to, to me when, when DJ was born and our oldest is going to college, his first day of school today. And she said, you know, Dave, one day, 
one of the biggest testimonies would be that our kids have two parents, two perfectly imperfect parents um, who, who are growing and love one another in Christ and model this love in Christ, you know, and, and model through our mistakes. We're, you know, we're not like, you know, um, uh, I'm not sure, May, Mayberry or anything, but but just <laughs> that way, where did that come yeah, from, David? <laughs> just that whole idea, you know. <laughs> I don't know where we've been talking about old shows today, and you just pulled Mayberry right yeah, out of yeah. it. Yeah, you know, oh, or Green yeah. Acres. I'm not sure which one Keep of them. Going. But Keep going. Keep going. We're getting farther <laughs> you know, and further into the 80s or 70s, know, right? Or, or the Cosby Show, or, or whatever ones. I mean, like, I think like it's through our our failures um, that it, that it's it's super helpful that none of us have it to fully together. We're, we're all works in progress. And I, I think, Clarence, you talk a lot about like that, the whole like expectations that we, we place out there and even the false, false faces that we wear. Well, with this couple I was talking with today, um, the wife said, you know, she had this expectation for her husband to do something. And I said, well, did you communicate with him? And she said, no. I said, well, how is he going to hit that target if he didn't even know what the target is? And so I said, we've got to communicate in a way that he can hit the target and vice versa. He needs to communicate with you so you can hit the target. That's how it works. It's not that we read each other's mind. And so, and so I think that's really important. But, but kind of like you guys have been saying, uh, my mentor, one of my mentors is going to be with the Lord. But he, uh, for 23 years, he, he invested in me. But the most important thing out of Jesus was his wife. She came next. And so the biblical principle is God first. Brenda, my wife's second, the girl's third, and then the ministry. And I think when we get that out of whack, it makes a big difference. And and so I think, you know, what these couples were struggling with was their communication and not putting each other first or second after, after God. And then we just, and then that then we begin to drift apart. She says, Yeah, we're starting to drift apart. And it is natural for couples to drift, and that's why we have to intentionally work toward oneness. And so that, and so that's where the God factor comes in. But the older men in my life who mentored me, one's Bill Pinnell, which you know, David. Um, I think he's 92, taking care of his 94 year old wife. Mm. And when I when I talk to them, we're talking about all kind of other stuff. The first thing he does, he 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 says, you know, this is how Hazel's doing. I want to pray for her. And so without even realizing, they're mentoring me saying, hey, my wife is, is after Christ, is my wife. And so I have three guys who are pouring into me, and all three of them, the first thing after Christ was their wives. And so that just resonates with me that, hey, I need to be about taking care of Brenda. That needs to be my job is to serve her, and with no strings attached, with no expectations, and no matter what she does, my job is to serve her. So I think having godly men model that to me and constantly talk about that to me what I didn't realize their mentoring in that area has, has really been huge. And the forgiveness piece, I think Rosie mentioned, that, that's, that's the glue. That's the oil of marriage, mm-hmm. you know, because none of us are perfect. And when we forgive, that's what makes it work. And, and, and uh, David, maybe you said, when we lose, I, I've got some tennis championship trophies here. And people say, well, how did you win? And I say, well, I learned from my losses. And, and that's what makes us a champion successful. It's not that we never lose, but we have to learn from our defeats. Yeah. And so so we don't repeat our defeats. 
Well, Clarence, you know, we're coming up to a break here, and, and I just want to throw this out for consideration as we go to it. There are a number of people driving home today, and they're feeling like they got a lot of L's in the category. Mm-hmm. You know, they feel broken tennis rackets and, and all that and crushed. And, you know, really would love as we come back from the break for you to be able to give and speak some hope and some next steps for them as they're driving home today. Bill? Okay. That, sound, that sounds good. We'll take a little break. You're listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles and Rosie B., our special guest is Dr. Clarence Schuler. We'll be right back. Pastor David Miles, Rosie B., our special guest, Dr. Clarence Schuler, And during the break, we were talking 100 miles an hour. Yeah, we were. And, you know, one of the reasons today we've been blessed to have Dr. Schuler with us is because we really care about the permanence of, of marriage and what God has done and taking man and woman, joining them together and letting the two be one one flesh. And, and Clarence, I like what you said earlier that, you know, where people are at today you, you really want to focus on making sure that this is, you know, if it's your first, it's your last marriage, you know, that, that you just really make this work. And I guess for people then who are driving home today and they're not exactly sure what they're about to go through to the doors mm. or, or various things. I mean, you work with, you know, politicians and business and coaching executives and athletes and people at all various levels. And you've come in with some major crisis situations. What would you say to to our listening family today? Well, uh, one I would, you know, as, as a resource, and, and uh, I actually recommend my book, uh, "Keep Your Wife Your Best Friend," and it's also kind of woman approved. So a lot of friends of Brenda have read it. But the things we're talking about today, I think, would help them. I mean, it's a chapter called Master, "Marriages of Pastors, Politicians, and Leaders." Well, we talked about a lot, making this your last marriage, where I interviewed three couples who've been married multiple times, but now their marriage has been their last marriage, uh, who've been married three years, nine years, nine years, and 18 years. And I think another thing is that practicing, uh, you know, seven practices that revolutionized my marriage. I think what I would do with couples who are going to hit the door and don't know what to expect, one, I would take a few moments to debrief, maybe take a longer drive home, maybe an extra 10 minutes, or just sit in the car when you get home for 10 minutes and transition from work to home. Mm. Whether your spouse works outside the home or not, I would do that. And then my prayer would be, God, you know, um, our marriage is tough right now, and my wife, my husband, is not the easiest to live with, but God help me. You know, if they're a Christ, if they're a Christian, a Christ follower, God help me to live in a way that glorifies you when I go through the door. Uh, help me to reflect you when I go through the door. Uh, maybe if we know we're going to have a fight, you know, uh, and maybe some things we need to talk about, help me not to avoid talking about, but Lord, help me in how I communicate that and when I communicate that and what I do it for my children or not, if they're children involved. So, so I think we'll be asking God to give you godly wisdom in that process and then how to begin to figure out, God, you know, what are some things that I'm contributing 
to the mess of my marriage. I know my spouse is jacked up and he or she is messed up, but where are areas that I'm not seeing where I'm contributing, where I can maybe stop doing that? Because most people are reciprocal, and when they see this take a step positively, most people, not all people, will make that step. I mean, I'm counseling a couple that's in an abuse situation, former NFL player, the lady's very famous, uh, very gifted woman in, in her field, what she does. And there was some abuse, and we just shared a couple of things. She started doing work on herself, and it turned uh, her husband around. I mean, it's, they still work through stuff. It ain't over. But now he's pursuing her. And and then we had to tell her, hey, don't try and get everything all one time. But now she's seeing God moving her husband. And I said, but you weren't safe for him before. I'm not excusing anything he's done, but now if you're the more mature Christian in the situation – now you're doing something that he can understand, he can follow. Now he's pursuing you. And she said, yeah, that's right. And so she started getting excited. So I said, so keep doing what you're doing within reasons. Keep going to counseling. And in their case, they have a, a couple, husband and wife couple counseling them. But so, but I think we have to look. But she looked at herself and saw areas she needed to make changes. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, this is um... – you know, we, we don't get a big playbook all the time on when it comes, like, with marriage and, like, even with kids. Fortunately, we've been given God's Word. And I think, again, the reminder that it's not a weakness to say, I need, like, a coach. You know, Tammy and I have a couple, Jeremy and Kirsten Krulikowski, that they've been a couple that's really helped coach us and, and done some really transformative things for us over this summer that's been really, really powerful, and, you know, you and Brenda. And so those are key things. You know, interesting thing you said, um, Clarence, as you were talking, because some people may be saying, like, you know, what what can I actually do? Well, you know, for couples that you know who are going through some things, um, we have a dear couple that we love, and, uh, you know, we took their child overnight, you know, and just said, hey, look, you guys need to have some time you know, and Tammy was like, you know, you need to sit down and, and have a, a very real conversation. So, you know, you guys are both kind of stressed out. There's stuff going on. So, you know, let us, you know, have your child for the evening. We'll take care of them. And then you guys get some time because sometimes all the other extraneous noise around it makes it difficult. So there's lots of little ways, <clears throat> grandparents, seniors, families, friends, that we can come around. And I think that's why... Marriage gets painted as, you know, a picture of Christ and his bride and that God puts us in churches to help us grow and have a community around us to love and help us mm. mature in Christ. Yeah, well, I agree with that. And, you know, it's, it's so important. One of my, uh, one of my one guy I work with, he was, uh, he was, he was struggling his marriage and he said, man, I don't know what to do because she's doing this and that. He was just kind of griping what she wasn't doing. I said, man, I hear she's, there are a lot of things she's not doing. I said, but uh, when's the last time you wrote her just a, a thank you note for who she is? He said, what? He said, but she's not. I said, but no, no, no. I said, why don't you just write her a thank you note? Just tell you, appreciate she does this, who she is, blah, blah, blah. And he said, man, I can't believe you did. He, and so he wrote her. And he said, man, I couldn't believe the response. Because I did, I did tell him, I said, well, I said, that's why you do call me the love doctor. And so he, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but he said, man, she said she went nuts when I wrote this handwritten note. And I didn't have to say anything, do anything. It says, you know, we're still working on stuff. But he said, it just makes a difference. And I said, well, 
every time you feel she's griping at you um, and you pray about it, you know, let God guide you. But, you know, look and see, one, if you're praying, when's the last time you prayed with her? Two, when's the last time you've been to the Word? You don't need, she doesn't need a preacher. You all got a pastor. But just reading the Word together out loud sometimes goes a long way. And just talking about it. And even just spend 10 minutes and ask each other questions, you're building spiritual intimacy. And the most private things people do is talk about their spiritual relationship. You know, and, and so why don't you begin to do that? And gently be a servant leader, not a dictator, and just see what happens. So, um, so those are things he's doing. That he's seeing a big difference, and he's seeing a big difference not only in her, but he's seeing a big difference in himself and his approach to her. And I said, you know, years ago I found myself talking to Brenda in a way I normally shouldn't talk to her. I wouldn't have when we were dating or engaged, engaged or early in our marriage, and no profanity or anything, but. But God just kind of convicted me and said, hey, that's the gift that you prayed for that I gave to you, and that's how you treated my gift. And then, David, he said this. This this blew me away. He says, how you treating my gift is a reflection of how you're loving me. Hmm. Mm. Beautiful. Clarence, thank you so much for joining the show today. It's great to have you on. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. That's a snappy Monday afternoon mix, PDM. It is a snappy Rosie B. Yeah, mix that went and, fast. Yeah. So fast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Pastor John Afonso will be joining me. We're going to talk about encouragement. I can hardly wait. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.